Hey visionaries, Chris right here with Royal Realty Group, brokered by eXp Realty. Buying and selling a home can be a stressful process, but we are here to help you throughout the way. Feel free to reach out to us on all social media platforms at Royal Realty Group TX. Now enjoy the show with Cuff and Mo. Talk to me about the 22,000 people that you spoke in front of. You know, you're backstage, drum roll please, out comes Sheila, you're in the center stage, what happens? Well, in that moment, but I almost passed out, but while I was backstage, I, there was a handler. And I remember, you know, thinking, I said to her, um, maybe we shouldn't go out there. Like, maybe this isn't that moment. And, um, and then she was like, okay, well, you have to go out there. You know, she's like, they're going to call your name in a minute. So I was like, okay. So, um, and then, um, I just went out there and I, I think I just felt like I, I do this thing whenever I talk in front of people and I say, um, I, I learned this technique and I, and I'm not saying this because this is what I think, but I learned this technique to stand in front of a mirror and you can't look at both of your eyes at the same time. You can only look into one eye at this at once in a mirror. You cannot look at both of your eyes. It's very interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So I stand in front of the mirror and I look at myself. Right. Our eyesight converges. Right. So I look at myself and I try to bounce back and forth and look and I say, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best. And you do it until you start laughing because of course you're going to start laughing. And then it relaxes me and then I say, what I'm about to say, the people need to hear. So then I feel like I can't mess up. So whatever my notes were, whatever I wrote down, whatever I have on there, I, I do that just to kind of get it out of my body and so that I kind of have a thought process of where I want to go. But then if I don't say it, I'm okay with it because it wasn't what they needed to hear. They needed to hear something else so I don't let myself get caught up in it. So I think that's kind of what happened. Welcome back to the Vision Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Cuffey, alongside my co-host, Mr. Ryan Mosley. Visionaires, we have got a banger today. Um, I'm very, very excited about this. Remember, the Vision Lab Podcast is the official growth mindset podcast for all visionaries worldwide, showing mad love to the cigar community. It's here in the lab where we uncover people's visions and dreams and how those dreams actually come into reality. Mo, I got to tip my hat after you, bro. I told you it was a winner, man. Yeah, <laughs> who we got on the show? Cuff, today's guest is a native of upstate New York, but she's uh, recently relocated here to DFW. She is the Executive National Vice President of Arbonne International. Please welcome Sheila Green to the Vision Lab Podcast. <laughs> Hello, ma'am. How are you? I'm fantastic, and I just want to say thank you so much for having me, and thank you for serving all the people that you guys serve. No well, problem at you. all. Thank you for opening up your home Amen. and allowing us to make this happen. We appreciate yes. it. Yes, lovely, lovely home. 
So I'm um, I'm very excited. Mo Mo has done some recon, and you guys have had you know dialogue and conversation on the back end, and you know we've been chit chatting for about thirty minutes or so, and it's been such an honor and privilege to get to know you. You know, just having you know short dialogue, right? Um, we we started the show off talking a little bit about fear, right? We're gonna get into Arbon and who you are and all that stuff, but you know, for all the visionaries, by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe, share with your friends, all that fun stuff. Um, but how has fear played a role in your life? So interestingly enough, I read a book early on, and it's called The Tools, okay. and I love this book because it taught me to look at fear as something that I wanted to attract into my life because when you have those moments of being nervous or scared or fearful or whatever, you ha you usually have them because you're you're getting out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. and you're you're getting into something that is scary. So it brings on that fear. So what I realized was basically the closer I get to the fire, the better the thing is on the other side. So I started to relax more about the fear. Doesn't mean that I'm not nervous or get, you know, scared about doing something, yeah. but I get excited now because I, this is what I feel like. I feel like, oh, okay, something good is coming. So I try to absorb the, what's happening to me and then use it to get to the other side. I love that. So what, what, what we want is on the other side of fear. You, that's, that's, that's four and a half years, right? Yeah, it is. Yes, it and is. And then some. But, you know, I love that because you took control or you take control of fear and don't let fear take control of you. Um, you harness that and allow yourself to be propelled forward. And you, you hit the nail on the head spot on. I mean, Steve Harvey talks about, and I've been saying this for years, like I truly believe it, everything that you want is on the other side mm. of fear. And so, you know, that's, that's such a, a huge nugget. And so I hope all visionaries that are, that are tuning in, you know, whatever you're going through in your life, um, if there's something out there that you truly aspire to do or to have, go for it. You know? Plus, I feel like, so we, we have this concept of fear, right, that we have in our heads. But I feel like if we can define the word difficult or hard. So if you have a perspective for what difficult and hard really are, it lowers the fear because we play it up in our minds. So difficult and hard are more like it's very difficult for somebody to take their kid to childcare every day and not see their baby for 12 hours a day. Sure. Right. That's difficult. That's hard. It's not hard to sell your product. Mm. It might be uncomfortable. It might be inconvenient and it might make you feel a certain way. But is it really hard? Yeah. Or is it hard to be in the military and lose both of your legs? Yeah. Or is it difficult, hard? I see where you're going. Or is it or is it really it's not as quote unquote difficult or hard. It's 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 really having to deal with the unknown and not understanding or not, not having a, a predefined roadmap in regards to the task you're trying to navigate. Cause I'm in it every day. And it's one of those things to where like, I don't view what I do now as hard. It's just, it's uncharted territory. So it's one of those things like, it's really, it's an exercise in figuring it out as you go. Right. And I don't view it as hard or difficult. It's just the unknown. And I think, you know, people fear what they don't understand. People 100%. quote unquote fear what they don't know. And so I think a lot of it is when you're talking about fear and things like that, a lot of it is just, it's just the unknown. Right. So I don't necessarily feel like you are in uncharted territories every single day. You might be doing things that you're not used to doing or that you haven't done before, but 
it is a little bit charted because you put your intention out there. You have oh. goals Ooh. and you have things. So you're, you're not just going by the seat of your pants. So I don't want your listeners to think that it's, that's, oh, I'm just going to fly by the seat of my pants. You have an intention and oh. a focus and you put that out there. So the, the goal, you know where you're going. You may not know how you're getting there, but you, you have the confidence to know you can figure it out. So that is absolutely true. Right. So yes, it's a little uncharted, but you are, you know, what's happening. You knew what you were trying to create, what you wanted to make happen. You're doing it on purpose. Yeah, that is absolutely true. So more fear comes, I think when people, instead of being like that, they just walk out the front of their house and they're like, I'm going to be successful. I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to go do it. So they don't take that step back to first, because this is how I look at goals. You cannot focus on your goal. You cannot focus on your goal. So let's say that your goal was to lose weight. And I, I want to lose 25 pounds. Let's say that was your goal. If that's what you focus on, you've just grown your desire to lose 25 pounds. You haven't done anything to lose 25 pounds, but by focusing on your goal, all you do is grow your desire for the goal. Yeah. I want to get a Tesla. I want to get a, what, a, a sports car, whatever it is. If you just focus on the goal, so what you want to do is put the goal out there because once you put the goal out there, your intention already came to life. So now your body, your mind, everything will work toward, I know what the goal is. I'm going to focus on what I have to do every day to get there. I love it. The actual steps in order to achieve said goal. So, so you're you're a big GC fan, and I, I am too, right? And so, shout out to Grant Cardone. Yeah, Grant, you got an <laughs> open invitation to the Vision Lab. Um, a lot of what he says is like, you know, screw the goals and what your desires are. Like, you're not going to get anywhere with that. But I love what you're saying because it is a little bit about the goal, right? You yes. want to have the target, and I don't like the word goals personally. I like targets. Target. I love targets, yeah. right? And so. The target is great, right? But you have to have the action to get to the target. Yes. And so you talk about, you know, the person that steps outside the front door, they're going to win that day. Why? Because their mindset is, hey, I'm going to go win today. I don't care what comes in front of me. We'll overcome whatever situation it is. We'll overcome our fears, um, whatever hardships that may endure for that day. Similar to what you're dealing with right now, right? We're we're just going to figure it out because my intention is to go and win going win the day so on and so forth um i'm curious i want to i want to tap into what you do for a living right because that's that's ultimately why we're here oh yeah but i want to i want to hinge on the idea of a how we overcame fear right and b the mindset or the mentality that you had to have to really start or not start but be in a very very successful business so I think the fear initially is what everybody's fear is when they start something is, can I accomplish it? So I'm completely type A. Uh, I am the type of person, I set goals. I've always done it since I I was athletic my whole life. I played lacrosse at the University of Colorado. I did all of those things. And so I, I am very driven, like type A driven like that. With, with this business that I'm doing right now with Arbon, it was the very first time in my life, and I realized this about myself, I realized I had to walk through that I was a 90% person. Mm. What is a 90% person? Yes. I would, I would get to 90%, and then I would listen to all the stories of the people who said, 
But that's so good. It's okay if you're the salutatorian. You don't have to be the valedictorian. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Do you know how many people aren't that? Like, that's so good. So you bought into that. And I would always, and so this business, this starting this and doing this for myself was the very first time I set a goal that I didn't know I could achieve when I set the goal. Every other goal in my life I had set, I knew I could achieve it as soon as I set it. Hmm. So you put a you put you put a carrot so far out there that even you as 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 mentally strong, strong as you are, even you were like, oh, Sheila, you got your work cut out yes. for you. Yes. Okay. And it was scary. And it was the first time I was that scared. And also there was like that whole part of it, just kind of like we were talking earlier about, well, what if I don't do it? What are people going to say? What if I set this goal and I can't achieve it? Because all the other goals, I set them and I was like, yeah, I know that's already going to happen. And so I never had to deal with all that chatter and all that, oh my gosh, what will people think? Hmm. If I don't. If I don't. If I, if I set out to do this, when I've accomplished all this other stuff, everything I set out, I usually accomplish. Or I would say that I didn't want to accomplish it. I, so if I thought in my, in my past, my past person would do this. If it was so far away and so scary, I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Mm. So... I don't want to side sidetrack it, right? But so when you when you set these this target or goal so far out there to where even you were like, oh, I don't know, and this is gonna you gonna love this. So we had a meeting with a guy when we first kind of got things started three four years ago, and he told us he said, I like what y'all are doing. He said, but you're gonna be tested mm -hmm. by the universe. Yep. He said, you're gonna be pulled. You you're gonna be stretched. Are speaking my language. He's like he's like the universe is really gonna test you to see if see if you guys are actually serious about what it is you want to yes, do. Yes, that's what people don't get. So I put that on the table to ask mm -hmm. you when you set that carrot way out there, and mentally you already took that first step. But along the first part of your journey, as far as getting this off the ground, what type of tests and what type of uh, things that you encounter as you were trying to get this thing off the ground. Okay, so I first think that it's mostly mindset because this is what people think and you hit the nail on the head because this is what people think. If it's the path I'm supposed to be on, it's going to be the smoothest, nicest path and that is so far mm. from the actual truth. And so that's the first thing I think that you have to, that's the first hurdle that you have to get over. I understand it's going to be yeah. tough shit. Right. But, but you have to realize that and recognize it. And it kind of hits you in the face because you start to think to yourself, wait, what? Oh, okay. Let's take a step back here. Maybe this isn't my path, but everything is telling you that it is your path. And then all of a sudden you think, oh, okay. And so I kind of had that moment. And That's it good. was, so I'm in network marketing, which you're, you're on one side of the fence or the other when it comes to this, right. you either think it's a great thing or you you're are for the hills. Right. And so interesting thing about Steve Harvey, which I love, he credits all of his success to his venture into network marketing. Really? Yes. He said it laid the foundation for him being successful. What is the company he worked at? Um, State Farm. No, not State Farm. It starts with an A. Um, he was in Amway. Amway, yeah. yeah. Like Amway, okay. he yeah. read all those books. Yeah. You know, power think, power thinking big, all yeah, that stuff. He supports it and think it's so great. So, um, But that's the first thing that you kind of are like, 
you know, you're on one side of the fence or the other. So you kind of have to, that's another mindset that you have to kind of shift through and think, okay, is this really for me? Is this not for me? But then you really have to just recognize, I feel like everything is network marketing. I feel like your thing is network marketing yeah. because you, I want to tell people about you. I want people to listen to you. The difference is I just won't get paid for it. That's fine, but that's kind of, it's just word of mouth. It's word of mouth advertising and that's what you guys do. That's what we all do. So I think when you are in the, the kind of the home of it and you're in the name of it, people have this, you know, they're like kind of on one side or the other. Well, it got a bad rap in the, in what, the mid nineties. And and cause a lot of people didn't understand how to work it, how right. to do it. And then the whole pyramid thing. Yeah. You go, yeah. you go through yeah. a five year stint and all of a sudden it's ruined for, I mean, network marketing has been around forever hundreds of years yeah and yeah you know this short call it five year maybe a decade period it just got a bad taste in your mouth and i, I did um primerica for a bit big shout out to them you know a lot of the things that um that you guys do it's all relative you know right. what i mean it works for everything yeah for exactly everything. and i also feel like it works for everything it works for you as a parent. Yeah. It works for you as a spouse. It works for us as children. Yes. Like everything that I feel like you can use to be successful in life, you can use it in every aspect of life. I love it. I love it. So let's let's get into um, what Arbonne is. But well, before we do, let's yes. give a big shout out to uh, Edwina Brown and Blowing Smoke Cigar Lounge. Y'all check out this clip. Hey, everyone. Edwina Brown here, owner-operator of Blowing Smoke Cigar Lounge. We're located at 1604 North Interstate 35E in Lancaster, Texas. We would love for you to come see us. We stand on the three C's, which are cigars, our community, and our culture. Cigars, we have over 300 SKUs in our humidor, and it's still growing. Come check it out, a massive humidor. We also love our culture here, which we're about customer service, as well as community, which is why we're excited to partner with the Vision Lab podcast. So come check us out. Again, big shout out to EB and Jacoby over at Blowing Smoke Cigar Lounge. If you're in the southern part of the Metroplex, make sure you guys go and visit Blowing Smoke Cigar Lounge. Now, Ms. Sheila, uh, what is Arbon? So we offer vegan products. So we have everything from vegan skincare to vegan nutrition. And actually, here's the interesting thing. Arbon started in 1980. In 1980, we were vegan. Wow. Right? Before it wow. was cool. So when I was a little kid, we lived next to people who were vegans. And my dad said I couldn't play with their kids. <laughs> right. He's I don't trust, I don't trust anybody. Don't, he's don't, like, don't I don't know what that is. Well, he didn't even know that's what it was. He didn't even know that they, he just was like, they're vegans. They're, we don't know what vegans yeah. are. You can't play with those. Yeah. <laughs> they're worshiping something over right? there. Right. <laughs> right. And now it's, it's so mainstream. Right. You know, it's bougie. Yeah. Like the kids all, I'm vegan. Yeah. Oh, are you? Because I'm not sure your shoes are, you know? Wow. <laughs> wow. That's good. So, so, okay. Now when you said that, I've got to ask this question. This isn't hasn't hasn't nothing to do with Arbon, but what is vegan then? So it's everything is made from plants. Okay. And we were plant protein before a certain other person was plant protein who wears the number twelve. Okay. We've been plant protein for twenty years. We were the first company actually. Arbon actually kind of created the plant product lane. So, because again, we've been doing it since nineteen eighty, and it was it's been in the last ten or twelve years that it's been kind of people are jumping on the bandwagon. We kind of created the lane and we brought the products into the marketplace. It's a European company that came to the United States because they said, where are people the most unhealthy? And so they brought the plant, <laughs> right? 
Yeah. Big light on the U.S. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Jeez. So that, you know, it's toxic free, chemical free, uh, soy free, dairy free, gluten free. Mm. Right. So I have a question that 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 I'm sure visionaries out there or non visionaries that are that are listening or tuning in. How do you like manufacture chemically products that are that are, you know, synthetic by nature, but still are non are still are are vegan? So they're not synthetic if they're made with the plants. So the plant goes into it. So here's the interesting thing. And this is, you know, something that I learned, obviously, when I first started things that I didn't know. You can put three plants together. So think about it like this. Eggs are natural. Sugar is something that comes from the earth. Flour is something. So I can go in the backyard. I can get my flour. I can get, I can have chickens. I can get eggs. I can have all of this stuff. I can churn butter. I can have a cow. I can make butter. But when I put all of those things together, I make a cake. Right. Right. So the cake can be made from all natural things and be natural, but it's something different because you blended all of those things together. Okay. So that's what we do. So we'll take the avocado and we'll take the eucalyptus and we'll take it and we'll put it together and then it makes eye cream or it makes uh, fizz. I love my fizz. Yeah, my, wife, my wife is a fan <laughs> of the fizz. The fizz, our energy drink. Okay. Right? So that so we don't put anything synthetic in it. Good. Right? So we put the plants in it. And we always want to give our guests the opportunity to uh, dispel any misnomers that are out there as well. So I'm glad you said that. Oh, yeah. Here's, and here's the other thing. So our company's been around for 42 years. And I am a very skeptical person by nature. So at first, I would try the products and I would think, okay, they're not going to work. It's just not going to work. Like you're not going to be able to do this. And then I would be pleasantly surprised, which is why I decided to align myself and do the business with this company. But every time a new product was released, I'd be like, well, I just don't think that's going to happen. And I would keep trying it and keep trying it. And then what I realized was this, Arbonne really sets out and says, we are all these things, clean, pure, safe, safe for the kids, safe for you, all those things. After 42 years, we've had so many people that have worked at Arbonne that if we weren't, somebody would have came out and said we weren't. That's true. So that's what made me be like, wait, all those people who left for other companies and could have used that information against us, they can't because it's not, it's not available. Right. So that's when I was like, oh, okay, yes. So exactly. It is, they are what they say they are and they're so transparent about it. You don't see that, at least in, in, unfortunately, in U.S. culture. Oh, no. You don't see that. A lot of times what's on the label isn't necessarily everything that's in the package. Well, here's the interesting thing. As consumers, we are actually conditioned and okay with purchasing things that don't work. We do it every day and we never ask for our money back because we, we just say to ourselves, well, I was just taking a chance. I was hoping that it would work. That's good. So we're conditioned with that. So, and I think that's kind of where I was. And that's why I was like, these products better work. And we have a 90 day money. Arbonne has a 90 day money back guarantee because they're like, the products do work. So you you gave us some background on what attracted you to it. When did you actually get involved with Auburn? So it was about 17 years ago. And uh, it's funny because I think I was kind of at that space in my life. I was in my late 30s. And I think you kind of get to that space and you think this is what this is what this is at least what I was thinking was, huh, I don't live in a castle and there's no unicorns in the backyard. (laughs) Like what happened to my life? Right, because we go to college, we we get educated, we th- we do all the things they told you us to the do. Follow the traditional road, the traditional yes. road that people say this is what right. you should do. And then you're left 
with 10 hours a day doing, working for somebody else, doing something that mm, maybe you like it, maybe you, that's the saddest thing to me is when I see people and I'm like, do you know the majority of your time, awake time is spent away from your family doing something you don't like to do and you're okay with that? Most of our life, for those that are working in an industry or a job that you don't like, most of our life is worth, excuse me, most of our life is dying instead yes. of living. Yes. And so What's I think that's kind of where say? I was. You always, what do you say? If, if, for, those of us, for those people who are still in the corporate, the corporate wheel, what do you say? If, if you die, they'll have, they'll have oh, your... Oh, yeah. What, Listen, if you pass away, God forbid, they'll have your, your, your job posting faster than your obituary will be up. Oh, Okay, so here's something that is going to sound weird, but this is what, so this is kind of what kind of changed the way my husband and I thought. So a year before I started this business, my husband got sepsis. So now we're going back, right? This is not today. It's a, and, and so Ed medicine gets better every year. So this was a little bit of a long time ago. And so he got sepsis, which we didn't even know what it was. So sepsis, for those people who don't know, is a blood disease. And the disease basically goes around and it shuts down all your organs one at a time. So it's in your blood and it just keeps going. So he got sepsis and it was very unexpected. I was at work. So a couple of different things happened. In the morning when I woke up, my husband stayed in bed. So I was going to work and he stayed in bed. And that never happens. So it should have been my first red flag. But he said, I'm really, really sick. I said, okay, I'm going to make you an appointment, but I'm going to work. So where was the priority there? Mm -hmm. That's the first one. Okay. Because that's how we're conditioned. I got to get to work. So I, I went to work. I was teaching at the time. And a substitute teacher came in to pick up her paycheck. And I remember driving to work and I was thinking, he couldn't even get out of bed. Like I got the kids off to school, I got dressed and he was still in bed when I left. And I said, get yourself to the doctor. So she came in and I said, you know what, can you stay? And she said, yes. So I was like, okay. So I went home and he couldn't get out of bed. He wouldn't have taken himself to the doctor. And the doctor said he would have died that day. Mm. So I get him up, I take him to the doctor and the doctor says he needs to go to the hospital. We go to the hospital and three days later, so I'm still in the hospital for three days with my husband. He couldn't talk. He, he was kind of in and out of consciousness. Um, so I thought somebody's got to be his advocate, right? He can't just be here by himself. So I spent the night for three days. I was driving home on the third day. And this is the part that's going to kind of be weird that I had this thought. But I remember I was crossing the bridge and I thought, oh, okay. We have a couple different scenarios here. If he doesn't die, but can never work again. What happens? We're not good. And that's terrible because I thought, well, if he dies, there's the life insurance. And at least we'll have that to help us get through because I, my job wasn't going to support the family. You know, teachers, God love them. God love them. Right? So that's the thought. And that's kind of how everything... Once he got better, those were the conversations. And the other thing that I thought right after I thought that, because my kids were little at the time, they were seven and 10 at that time. And I thought, oh, they've never seen my husband live. Wow. They've only seen him work. Now, yes, we went camping. 
And we did fun things, right? Like once a year or twice a year, or you do the things, or you go to the watch party. We're going to so-and-so's house. We're coming to your house to watch the football. Yes, we did those things. But is that really living or is that just waiting to live and you're filling in the gaps? Right? And so those were the two things that I thought, oh, oh, (laughs) we got to make a change. Don't like this formula. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll continue down the road of our one. Um, but I think this is really apropos for, for visionaries that are working the nine to five, right? That may, maybe they don't aspire to be an entrepreneur, right? Or, or start their own business or whatever it is, right? But maybe they want to level up, increase their quality of life. What say you to those type of people? So a couple of things that people said to me, so I worked corporately, So I worked corporately. This is how I describe myself. I was an overworked corporate employee who made enough money and couldn't do anything with it. And I was an underpaid school teacher who had more time and no money to do anything. Mm. So those are the two worlds that I was kind of into. So when I was corporately working, this is what I say to people. And I, this is hard for people. I understand it. They pay you to work 40 hours. Most people don't do it. They work 50 or 60 hours. The rest of us, we all do. But they pay you to work 40 hours. So the first thing I'd say is be excellent within your 40 hours. Because this is what people are afraid of. I'll get fired. Yep. So something interesting happened. My husband hated his job. So we're... We kind of have a lot going on. We're going through this epiphany mentally, and he hates his job. So I said, okay, fine. How much money do I have to make every single month so you'll quit your job? (laughs) So I grew my business, and I got to that point. In in Arbonne? Yes. Okay. And so basically what it was is he was a full-time engineer. So he was working 40 hours a week, full-time engineer. And for me, and the way I, I, I am, I thought, okay, I have to double his salary. I will not be comfortable just making his salary. I was like, I got to double what he makes for us to even consider that he could quit his job. So I did that. You must have been in sales. Well, with Arbonne. Okay. Yeah. So I did that. And then I came to him and I said, okay, we're here. Let's do this. What what was his reaction when you said, okay, you're good? He goes, I'm going to quit. And all the blood drained out of my body. (laughs) I went completely white because that, so here's something interesting that happened. I was like, Oh, he meant it. (laughs) Right. And, and then I thought, okay, we're we're only going to rely on me. I'm going to be the breadwinner, like the whole breadwinner. And, and then I thought, Oh, is this how you've been feeling this whole time? And I didn't know it. Mm. So then I thought, wow, because I felt a lot of pressure in that moment. So then he, instead of quitting, he, because we were young still at this point, he right? He not actually found what he loved. No. Listen, wait till you hear this. He decided to start working 40 hours a week. Really? So he goes, okay, let's just do this for right now. I'm just going to work my 40 hours that they pay me to work. And he didn't get fired. Wow. 
So then he was traveling two weeks out of every month, which was part of the reason that he didn't, he, what things weren't going well. So we had the kids, we lived in New York, neither one of us are from New York. There was no family, no friends, no nothing. Two weeks out of every month, he's gone. I'm home with the kids by myself. Mm. I don't, it's snowing. Yeah. I would put the kids in bed and at midnight, I would go and shovel the driveway. Oof. Right. Because I, I couldn't do it when they were awake, you know, because they were so little. So, so, he, so he says, let's just do this. I'm just going to, so he starts to work 40 hours. Then they don't fire him. So then he says, you know what? I don't want to travel anymore. He goes, I, I want to scale back my travel. He goes, I, I travel 50% of the time now. They said, okay, is 20% okay? And, they, and he goes, yeah. So then he started doing that. Then he said, now this was a long time ago. This was 20 years ago. He goes, I want to work from home. And this was back, this is what people thought. Oh, I'm sorry, you're working from home? You can't find a real job? Mm. That used to be the sentiment. Oh, sorry, you poor thing. You have to work from home. You wow. can't really get a job. <laughs> and he was like, or the other people were like, oh, you're working from home. You're not really working. Yeah. But he set up an office and said, okay, I want to start working from home. So he started working from home three days a week. So now go forward. He's working the hours he wants to work. He's working from home, which makes him more available for us. He's not traveling as much. Now he started to like his job a little bit more when you don't need your job. Mm. And crazy. you don't need the things there's so much more abundance in that. So truly playing with house money at this point. Right. Well, it, well, but also it was, I actually think a lot of people could do this if you were so abundant thinking that I, I can get my job done and do so excellent of a job that I don't need to live in fear of being fired. Well, that's the trick that they put on you too, though. though they, but depending on what field you work in, they put that, that's the the imaginary hammer that's that's over your head. Like if I don't get this done, like there somebody's gonna come here and tell me to turn my stuff in. And you know, I've been in that position. Fear then tactics. I, yeah, it's a fear tactic. I've been in that position. Then you know, if, you know, I've been fired from a job. Like I've said all the time, the sun comes up the next day. Like if you look up one day, you're like, I don't care to do this. I'm not happy doing this. And the people I'm working with, I wouldn't talk to them outside of this building. You probably do need to find something else to do, or at least another company or whatnot. And it's it is a I hate to call it a fear tactic, but that's that's the that's word. What it is. It's, yeah, that's what it is. And so it's cool to hear that he got to that point. And it's and I said all the time, like sometimes you you just got to make a move, and there is no such thing as a perfect plan. Like it's, sometimes you just got to make it. You just got to make it happen. You got to jump. Plus, I for me, I have this saying that I say is do something so well that when people see you do it. They want to come back and bring their friends. Yeah. So for him, it was do it so well that on his terms, they want him to do it. I love that. Just be excellent. Just be excellent. That's really good. That's really it good. Is good. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so I think a lot of times, you know, when we are psychologically handicapped to believing that this is all like you have blind, like a horse with, with blinders on, right? Like yep. this is all I can see. This is all I can do. You mentioned the word abundance, right? I think conceptually people understand abundance exists, right? But we don't personally know what abundance is like because we have these blinders on. If I don't work my 40, even though I'm only scheduled to work 40 hours, I got to work 60. Yep. I got to show the boss or the man that yep. I'm doing it. If I don't, then, then my job could be in peril. Um, 
And so we get so distracted with satisfying everyone else's dreams yes. and, and, and making their dreams come into reality that we forget about our own dreams and our own reality that we want to manifest, right? And so I think that when you talked about your, your husband said, you know what, the pressure's off, like, hey, I'm just going to work my 40. The abundance was now being welcomed into your life. And I'm, and I'm willing to bet that your business probably scaled and grew around that time frame as well, too. Yes. Yeah. Let's go into that. Um, well, I think it was like you're saying, though, is because we opened our minds up to it. So I feel like you definitely attract. But here's here's what happens to people. They get excited about something. Mm -hmm. Okay, so recently, what was the lottery? A billion dollars? Yep. And the take home was like 780 million, right? Only? Right, yeah. right, exactly, okay. So- I'll but, take it. <laughs> Give it but to But the, the thing about that is people were excited to go buy lottery tickets. More people bought lottery tickets during that time, but they bought tickets and didn't think they were gonna win. Right. That's the same thing we do with our lives. Ooh, say that again. Buy so, tickets thinking you're not gonna win. Right. But you're just excited. You're excited and you want you want to think you're going to win, but you know you're not. So how do you manifest? So what the what I think the difference is and obviously I mean the lottery's, you know, you can't plan to win the lottery, you know, it really is a game of luck, right? I mean, obviously if you don't play, you're not going to win. Okay. So I think people get excited about things and they want, they desire things, but they don't have goals. They haven't because People are afraid to set goals because they might not hit those goals. Or is it that they're afraid to be held accountable to themselves? That's it. That they're afraid of the accountability. They're afraid they won't hit it. They're afraid of what that looks like and how that feels. So I think we're we so we're 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 manifesting in a fear-based mm. as opposed to and then so then you go all the way to the other side and you start to talk about abundance. And then people are like, oh, that's just voodoo. Oh, you know, abundant yeah. thinking, you know, like, oh, no, we all have to work. We all have to do this. And we so now we aren't giving into that either. We're not going over to the abundant side. We want to think abundantly, but we have so many old stories. So this is how I did this workshop once which sounds totally used to like that kind of language would have put me over the edge years ago. Like, Oh my God. Right. Okay. But it really taught me something about myself. And I just, I so appreciate and so grateful that I had that experience because that's where I realized that I was hitting everything at 90%. Because again, 90% is pretty good. The rest of the world, that means that I'm better than 90% of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you can do a hundred, do a hundred, then 90% is like doing nothing. Mm. Right. So, uh, so I, I'm doing this thing and I'm learning some things about me and that was one of the things. And then I learned this whole concept of stories. It's what you say when you talk to yourself. Okay. And these stories have, they are in your head and they come at you so strongly. Your teacher said something to you when you were in second grade. Your parents said something to you when you were in high school. Your girlfriend in high school said something to you. And all, and then we start, and then this is what we do. We wear these stories like mink stoles. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to get rid of them. No, it's my mink stole. Look, I can't help it. I, it's so hot. I can't get cool because I have this mink stole on. But we can get rid of those stories. We're just choosing not to. Why? Why do we want to hang on to our mink stole? 
Well, and it's not always that we want to hang on to it. It's that we haven't learned how to change the story. So oftentimes we do want to get cooler. We want to be in the air conditioning. We want to get rid of that coat. But until you have the tools and you learn it, you can't just wake up one day and and say to yourself, I'm going to do, I'm going to be in real estate, but I'm not going to take any classes. I'm not going to learn anything on YouTube. I'm not going to figure it out. I'm just going to, I'm doing real estate. Call me up. Come on, let's do it together. Mm-hmm. You want me to have experience. You want me to at least know something. So there are tools to get ready to getting rid of these stories. There's, you know, there's you you acknowledge the first story and then you create your new story, but you have to stay that story over and over because our brain has these neuron pathways mm-hmm. that we've written down them so much. And so what happens is we do get rid of the story and we get a little bit of success and then that old story comes right back. And so we have to acknowledge it and then create a new story so that the pa- we can get new pathways. That's, shout out to you, Sheila. Um, <laughs> it's imprinting. It's one of, like yes. you said, for years you're told the stories about how things should be done and, and no one ever thinks to ask the question, well, why? And it's not the fact that you're being disrespectful to your elders, but it's just like, has anybody ever thought that like, hey, maybe we can do this a better and more efficient way? But when I mean, you're I, young, you're told not to question people who are older than you. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this because you're quite a bit younger than me. But for my family, there was a couple of times when it was like, why do you need to be above your raisin? What's that mean? Above your raisin? I've never above heard that. my raise. Above how I, why do I need to be above how I was raised? Isn't how I was oh. raised good enough? Why do you need to be above your raisin, Sheila? Interesting. I, I, I don't want to say I resonate with that because I don't. But I understand exactly what you're saying because my parents' generation, right, if you were to come out and say, well, hey, I want to be a multimillionaire, well, why? I mean, what you Isn't don't have. Isn't this good yeah, enough? Yeah. Like, why aren't you grateful? Didn't I do a good job raising you? Like, are yes. you not happy? Like, yeah, they have that kind of sentiment. Um, and I, I, I would venture to guess it's different, you know, from each culture or ethnicity or background or whatever. So, But, but that's very good. a lot good. of that is rooted in faith-based culture. Yep. And faith-based culture wants you to say that you can't be grateful and want more at the same time. And I'm here to say that you can. Absolutely. You can be it. I agree with you 100%. You can be appreciative of what it is that you experience as a, as a, as a young person in your childhood. But, but even right now, yeah, I can be appreciative of the money that I'm earning right now. So the, the one thing that my husband loves about me, he says, is that when I get my pay every month, I'm disappointed. Because mm. I always want it to be more. Oh, I, that, I, I don't. I always don't, want it to be more. I think everybody. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think. There's but my pay wrong has, to be you know, better. like it goes up substantially from you know what I was making. You know, I make in a month what I was making a year corporately, and but even with that, I'm still like, he loves it. He's like, but I'm grateful for it. Well, I am grateful, but I if I can do. Sometimes I classify myself as I've been gifted with the opportunity or my gift. It's not a spiritual gift because it's not in the Bible, but I feel like it is a spiritual gift is to make money. And that's okay. I think that's okay. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with like wanting to achieve and do better. Like, I mean, I've been telling him this since Christmas of last year. Like my entire goal was to get to uncharted territory that nobody in my bloodline has ever seen. Like I want to get out there. Yeah. And it's one of those things to where I am 
supremely grateful for what my mom and dad did for my brother and I as kids or whatnot. Like I've, I've, I've got no complaints, right? Like literally like they did everything that right. parents are supposed to do. And I, and I know that now because I'm a parent, but my mom used to always say too, like you and your brother's job is to do better than from which you yes, came. Sir. Yes, sir. Um, and so my thing is like, I want to get to a place to where if my dad was still here and I told him what it is I was doing, his mind would explode. Right. Like it's, I call it uncharted territory. And so, I agree with you 100%. Like, there, if, if you're not trying to achieve more, if you're not trying to do better, then you're just kind of sitting still and you're being stagnant. Your yeah, you're, wa- you're, you're slowly wasting away and you don't even realize it. Like, you don't realize I it. I mean, even, that's the problem. You're waiting for Saturday mm, yes. and you have all the fun in the world. Sunday, you get yourself ready for Monday and you do it all over again and you did not realize that 20 years went by. Yeah, yep. and then what happens is you're, you're, you you su- Sunday afternoon hits and you're like, oh crap, I got Cowboys lost up. again, uh, right? Cowboys <laughs> lost again. And then you think, Don't get me started. and then you got to think to yourself, oh crap, I got to log on for this Monday morning meeting yep. that, that nobody that no one's going to talk talk about because everyone's you know worn out from the weekend. Yeah, it's it's a terrible cycle. Yeah, so I, I want to get it since we're talking about work and and, and our run. Um, you you mentioned earlier your mid to late thirties is when you started the business. How, um, cause a lot of our listeners are older, right? Okay. Um, that's how, how old I am. Well, <laughs> I'm older, <laughs> wiser, but, but you know, one of the things that we really want to impress upon people, it does not matter your age, right? Um, you can get started, you can get moving in the direction, you can still achieve the things that you want to achieve. The action is there, but, but what at that late mid to late thirties time period in your life, allowed you to go down that road and say, you know what, we're, we're going. Like, I'm, I'm leaving teaching. I'm going to go full-time with Arbonne. Like, how does this, how does that like all I'm come I'm going to make this happen. So, um, I think that there, it, that encompasses a lot, right? So, there's a lot of things. Uh, I, 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 I tell people, good, better, and different, that I have the opportunity to be raised by Oprah Winfrey. Okay. Oprah started when I was in my teens. And that was back when it was a regular top show, which was craziness, right? <laughs> but when I was impressionable and was soaking in things and in my late 20s, mid to late 20s, she made that shift over to personal development. Mm. And I was reading books and doing things and I didn't know I was being personally developed. I just thought it was interesting and I liked it and I, and I was, you know, hearing what things that I'd never heard before. So I think there was that aspect of it that I didn't even know was happening. So I had, and I, I love, I go to church and I am blessed to have had an amazing pastor who had such a growth mindset that I didn't know I was being personally developed while I was at church too. And he was showing me things. And so I remember one time we were doing a campaign at our church and they have, you know, the top and then they had, so that, so you could do the 10,000 one time, or then you could do the 5,000 and there was two slots for it. And then it just kept going down and down. And I kept that. And I said to my husband, we're not going to stop until we're these people. And so we can give this much to the church at one time and it's going to be okay. And so I was learning so much and didn't realize it. So I think that attributed to it, definitely. Obviously, the way that I was raised. So something interesting is I was I am at the bottom. My dad is, has a lot of siblings, and my mom has a lot of siblings, and they're at the bottom of their family. Okay. And the majority of the people above me were boys. That 
it, all the cousins. I competed with them. I have two older brothers. It was always a competition in our house. Everything was a competition. If you wanted it, you had to compete for it. You had to earn it. You had to win it. So I grew up very competitive. And I think that nature has served me. However, I did realize that in a competition, so naturally speaking, what happens in a competition? One wins, one loses. It's a zero-sum game. Right? So you have a winner and you have a loser. If you come to the table with a competitive mindset every single time and I sell you product, I, you bought my Arbon product. Who won? You did. No. Who lost? Both, both won. But I didn't see it like that because I had a competitive nature that was, I'm the winner. I have to win. I'm going to win. Self-serving, self-centered. So when you purchased my product, I won. So how did I make you feel? Less than. Uh, like you lost. Yeah. So here's something simple. We had four people in our family. My two kids, my husband and I. Who, where are we going for dinner tonight, kids? Mm. Well, if mom got to choose, I was the winner. So how did I make my own children feel? <sighs> like they were losers. They got the short end of it. So you can be competitive without being win-lose. You can create an environment where we can. So I had to change my mindset to get to the point where I could make you feel like a winner too. I didn't have to just be the winner. And I have to, so I like to go to Tony Robbins. I like to go to stuff like that. So I try to do one thing a year. So I'll go to one thing a year. So I went to this thing and, and this is where I learned this about myself. As I was listening to the speakers at the thing, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm coming at everything in my life with a competitive nature of, I have to be the winner, which means everyone else is the loser. And for the most part, I like to do these things. If I go to Tony Robbins, if I go to uh, anything else, I like to do it so that it helps me in my business. So the place that this helped me the most was my marriage. Mm -hmm. Because if we were having a discussion and I got to pick or do something. I was the winner and made my husband feel like the loser. And so, but then I was mad and I was like, wait, I came here so that I could learn how to make more money. Not so that I could be a better wife. That's not why I came here. <laughs> but that's where it showed up the most. So all of those things I think kind of combined, kind of led me down that path. Not to say that I didn't have a ton of fears, that I wasn't totally scared and nervous. I am very fortunate to have an extremely supportive spouse. And I, and I say that because he is so secure with who he is that he always tells me, he goes, I don't care how much money you make. He goes, make it all. I'm totally good with it. But well, not a, everybody a, has that relationship. I think that's a mature, that's a mature adult, right? Like, but not everybody, no, though. I still, not everybody is that. No. Well, I still, no. I, I'm, and I don't know, it's, it's weird to me to like, if you're really secure in a man, like if you're in a situation where your your spouse makes more money than you, like who cares? Well, it Some people to be, do it care. It doesn't have to be male female either. It, no. it just could be I'm like you. Yeah, you were talking about earlier. Like, hey, you grew Maybe up. Maybe I don't it. want you to. Yeah, I yeah. want. I want to be the one that does right. it. Like, there there is that dynamic that yes. exists, and, and you're very blessed and fortunate. Yeah, to, I got a winner and a wife. You do. Shout out to Tam. Um, but there are people. That, that have to deal with that internal struggle that, yeah. hey, not only do I have to fight on the outside of this house, but I'm also fighting on the inside. Right. And it, it becomes so much and so heavy laden that it's very tough to, to overcome win it, yeah. and, and overcome. 
you know, and, and I don't want to use the word win. It's just tough to navigate through those. Words. I was having a conversation with somebody recently and it's like, you're trying to take off an airplane, right? You're trying to get the airplane off the ground and we already know how heavy that is and how much energy and effort has to, uh, it's more energy and effort to get the airplane off the ground than it is while it's in the air, right? We get that. Now imagine throwing a couple of 30,000 pound uh, anchors yeah. on the ground. Dragging it it's back. It's just dragging yeah. you. And eventually you don't take off. And so, well, so that is interesting because I don't want everyone to think that you have to have my formula for success because I have... I know people that are very successful that came to the table as single parents that came to the table at the age of 55 yes. and became entrepreneurs. So I, and, and had very unsupportive family life. So there, you know, you don't have to have, this is just what I had. You asked what I had and this is, this is, I was fortunate enough to have all of that in, you know, now the one thing that I didn't have is I didn't have any kind of like support to grow my business in a network where I knew people. Which is good, probably. I mean... Well, you I, had to wind up building it from scratch, so trying to be a blessing on the back end. Right. Like, would it have been nice if I could have called my mom or my mother-in-law or my sister-in-law or just somebody who was my friend? But would you have been as far as you are now? I mean, you know, obviously I learned a lot you know, from having to talk to people that I didn't know and things like that. So, but again, there's plenty of people who start in a network where they know everybody, Yeah. you know, so uh, being an entrepreneur, I think if you just have the fundamental, the fundamental ideas or the, if you have the fundamentals, I think you can overcome any of the obstacles. You don't have to have what I had to be successful. You can be 55 like somebody was who, who became an entrepreneur with me. Or you can be a single parent. Or you can be a young person without a spouse. Or, you, you know, you can all of those things. How? How do they do that? Because that's ultimately, I want, I want our, our visionaries um, to have this impression that I don't care where you are in your life. You can so I work. think you put the fundamentals to work at that point. And the first thing is uh, you have to decide. Okay. Now, people used to tell me that all the time and they'd be like, you have to decide, Sheila. And I'd be like, I did decide. I already decided. <laughs> and I, what I realized is there is a big difference between wanting something and deciding to do something. We like to say shout out to Carlos Reyes. Uh, you can be committed to something. No, you said just you can be motivated, motivated or, com or committed. committed. So a lot of people are motivated to do something. But when it's raining outside and it's snowing or cold or whatever it is, and you got to get up and go run or do what, or shovel could, the driveway, yeah, at or shovel the driveway, <laughs> like, that's commitment. Right. You're motivated when it was nice and easy, and you know there was no elements to it. Right. But go ahead. I'm sorry. So you, no. you got to decide. So I think you have to decide, and then and something I want to just kind of throw in here as an epiphany I had uh, recently was everybody says believe. Have belief, believe in yourself, believe that it's going to happen, believe and you'll achieve. I think they say believe and you'll achieve because it rhymes. Because what you believe can potentially change. Okay. And in the middle of the word believe is the word lie. Ooh. So when you believe something, it really is just a lie. Now you have to decide, can I believe a lie that serves me? Or should I believe a lie that doesn't serve me? So everything starts with belief. But unless you move to know, K-N-O-W, 
you believing isn't enough. That's good. You have to know it. (laughs) And I always think about it like this, right? Like for me, this is for me. I, I don't believe there's a God. I know there's a God. You can't change my mind about that. Amen. But I used to believe that the best Christmas tree was a Douglas fir. <laughs> but now I believe that it's a Fraser fir. <laughs> so what I believed changed, mm. but what you know never changes. Mm. So you first decide and you, know that what you want. So you have to know, not believe. Too. It's an eternal decision. Right. So decide, and then I feel like you have to act on that decision. You have so to decide, know, act. Right. And, and that's where I feel like people really... So vision boards. Everybody loves to do a good vision board. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes I see them as it's my genie on a lamp. These are all the things I wish for. These are all the things that I'm hoping happen. Mm. Come on, Sheila. Come on. Come the, on. But we, we're not doing anything. Yeah. We're not acting. Oh, I said all the time. He, he knows it. There's, there's theory, i.e. the vision board, and then there's application. The what's, what work or what steps are you taking? And my thing is... That's the key, though. Yeah, That's like... The steps, too. Yeah, like, I try to take a step. I try to have forward motion before I go to sleep every day. Like, now, some days, I mean, you know, it's some days you might take one or two steps. And other days, you might take five or eight steps. Right. And some days, you might take a couple of quantum leaps. But there's theory, i.e. the vision board, what we want, you know, this... Like you said, the genie lamp. But then, like, what, 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 what are the work? steps that what, you're going to take? Like, are you putting your happen? hands in the dirt to actually make this a reality? Well, at the end of the day, it boils down to action. Right. Because this is what people say to you all the time knowledge is power. Applied knowledge. I say the application of knowledge is power. You can be the smartest person living under a bridge. What good yeah. is it? Right. Yeah. So, the application piece and that. So, the funny thing right now is everybody's talking about the Queen of England. She passed away this week, last week. And so we're all talking about it. And for me, that brought up something that I thought was really interesting in my mind is that's another thing that we put on our vision boards and that we talk about a lot. I'm a queen. I'm the king. I, I'm the number one. And we say this and, and then because, so the monarchy I think is worth like $28 billion. And the queen of England herself has like, I think like a $500 million net worth. This is why people say that because they want to drive around or fly around in a, in a private jet. They want to be, you know, everybody known to mankind wants to dress them. So all the designers are trying to bring them clothes, offer yeah. them handbags, wear my shoes, use my sunglasses so that, you know, they're, so. And they that, give it to them. Right. That's the right. funny part about people with like oodles of money. People want to give them stuff for free, but you go, you go to your neighborhood's takeouts and order $500 worth of food and see if they want, if they're going to give it to you for free. They right. want all their money. But if the queen of England went there, they'd say the queen of England ate here. So everybody uses this term. I, I Treat me like the queen that I am. I'm the king. Treat me like the king that I am. The royal in, now these particular, the ones in England, are the hardest working people in their country. Really? I mean, I'm not not well versed on the British, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Like, they are the hardest working people. And think about the sacrifices. I mean, I guess just because I know a little bit about them, I don't know a lot, but I know a little bit. But the sacrifices, they can't do stuff that you and I can do. So people say this like they want that lifestyle, but they don't want to do the work that those people do. Yeah, we hey. talk about that all And the they time. don't want to do, make the sacrifices that the Queen of England has had to make, so, events that she can't go to and things. 
I love I love this vein that we're in right now, right? And because this is the Vision Lab, we have to ask this question primarily because we're talking about changing not only our mindset, but the but the trajectory of, of ourselves, our families, and generations behind us, right? Mm-hmm. At what point in that late 30s, early 40s time frame did you get into, obviously the name of our show is The Vision Lab. Well, why do we have that, right? You got to have vision, the foresight to say, this is where I want to go, right? I may not be here now, but by uh, this, these applications, these actions, I can get here. I can get to my vision, right? But the, the latter part of our, our, our brand name is The Lab, why is it the lab? Because that's where you go in do and actually do the work. Mm-hmm. What did your lab look like? Well, I obviously it starts with vision. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a picture in your mind. And without the picture, I mean, we all have heard, you know, without vision, people perish. So it's, it's, it's important not to kind of cross over that piece and not to have that picture. And the picture has to be so clear and so vivid that it causes you to stand up and work. Mm. So the vision, it can't just be this cloudy thing that you see out there. You have to get to the point where you can make it crystal clear. So let me interject real quick, because this is important. If my vision is opaque and it's not crystal clear, can I refine it to be yes. more defined? Yes. And that, so the opaque picture is, I believe this, but I don't know it yet. So then you have to work. And this is what I tell people. They're like, okay, how do you go from believing something to knowing something? Because you're doing the work. Yep. So if I'm in the middle and I am, for me, it would be, I'm talking to people. I'm out there holding events. I have things on my calendar. I have things scheduled. Now I can know. I'm going to achieve the goal that I had set for myself. May not be tomorrow. May not be the day after. No. But eventually. But when you keep- cross over in, from believing to knowing, when you cross that bridge, that's where the magic happens. Because that's when momentum will come into your life. And momentum is this silent uh, partner that you have. And all that things happen. You're like, I was just standing at the post office and somebody came over and said, Hey, do you sell Arbonne? Cause I want to buy it. Right. It's the magic. And you're like, what, what? Cause I just asked 27 people if they wanted anything and they all said no. <laughs> but because I did that, this magic over here mm-hmm. happened. So you have to do the work and not worry about what the result is. Not follow be caught the, up in the results. The process. process. Not be caught up, but we get so caught up and that, and then we quit. So I read this fantastic book called The Dip. Okay. The majority of people go into the dip and they don't come out. And when, if you come out of the dip, so for instance, the Olympics, the number one person at the Olympics makes a hundred times more than number two. And number two makes 10 times more than number three. So you have to come out of the dip to have the opportunity to be, to participate in. At I'm, the top of it. Yes. Yes. But the 80% of the people, they get into the dip and they just are like, I guess I just can't get out. This is my life. And that's, so they don't come out of the dip. That's so good. That's so good. So, so, so we got the vision, right? Well, you, you know, you know, because you're doing the work. Now, what did your lab look like? So for me, I did need to do a lot of mental, I needed to 
work on myself. I feel like the more that you work on you, then the better you're going to be at everything that you do. So a lot of times how people come at it is, and it's so easy to do if you're an engineer, even a doctor, a lawyer, something where you can learn a skill and use it right this second. So I go to school, I learn how to do this, I can build this because I'm an engineer and now I do it. So a lot of times what people do is they go straight skill-based. Teach me how to do this, teach me how to do that, teach me how to do this. If you're in a skill-based job, then great. But the majority of jobs aren't skill-based. They're out there, you're in corporate, you're kind of working. So I feel like the more I worked on me, the skills would come. I would figure out the skills. So my lab was get rid of all the, the stuff up here. Just try to squash all those stories, create new stories, mm. help myself. I didn't really know how to do vision. You know, I, I, I was like, I, I knew there were things I wanted, but I didn't really understand the whole concept between connecting that if I set this out here and I look for it, then I, I can create. So it doesn't matter how to do something. It matters why you're doing it. You're always going to figure out the how. The how will always come. But if you don't know why, you'll never get there. Shout out to Simon Sinek. Love him. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength. Yeah. 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 All right, Mo, this is... Uh, I'm telling you right now, and I'm afraid to say this on, I don't want to say the word afraid, but this is, this has been impeccable. This has been remarkable. I told you we had a good um, one. You, you used this word, I don't know, 20 episodes ago, you, you talked about your spirit being full. Yes. And I want to give a big shout out to you, Sheila, because and it doesn't happen very often, um, but my spirit is full right oh, now based you. off of this interview. Like the energy is is definitely up there. So um, this is a point where we like to land the plane. Uh, Mo, I'm going to kick it over to you because where we are on the microphone. So we're going to pour this up. Uh, this segment is brought to you by the good folks at uh, Sagamore Spirit. Thank you to Tim, uh, Kevin Plank, us, the entire Sagamore family, um, visionaries. You know we don't have products on the show unless we stand by it. It's a ride. We promise you it is a great product, all versions of it. Uh, this is the, uh, I think this is the original American cask version, yeah. if I'm not, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Uh, get to your neighborhood specs, goody goody, twin liquors, whatever you know, whatever it might be. Sagamore Rye, we promise you, uh, it is a uh, it's a winner for sure. And and you've had this for the first time tonight, yes? I've had it for the first time and already drank a whole one. So, <laughs> <laughs> and we normally don't do that on our show. There are a few hard truths to whiskey that most brands don't like to admit. First, there's a lot of it. And second. Despite its lore and romance, whiskey is often complex and intimidating. Is that high or low proof? Toasted or charred? Aged or finished? Straight or blended? Imported or American? Endless options, endless questions, endless confusion. But there is a whiskey out there that makes selecting it simple. An exceptional spirit made with local ingredients and committed to its communities. That's us. That's Sagamore Spirit. Sagamore Spirit has been and always will be more than just whiskey. Our work, your work, is greater than the sum of its parts. Keep the momentum moving. And one more thing, it's whiskey. Have fun with it. Give a big shout out to you, Sheila. Shout out to Mosa. Thank you for finding uh, Sheila and, and making this happen. So, 
Um, we, we talked a lot about vision. We talked about Arbonne. We talked about Sheila. Um, but, but, but since this is the Vision Lab, right, what is the long-term vision for Sheila? I think the long-term vision for me is, to one, to continue what I'm doing. My biggest thing, when you impact one person's life, you actually touch three generations of that person's life. So I want to continue to make an impact on other people so that I can have the opportunity to be able to make a difference. And my biggest thing is to show people that you can do this. You can, you can be the greatest version of you. The greatness is here. You're already great. You can only walk away from it. Mm. So stay where you are, be great. And for me, that's how I, I just see this getting bigger and bigger and bigger and touching more and more and more people. And, and it doesn't have to be about the vehicle, right? It's the spirit in which you live in. Right. So I, love I mean, it. I do think what I, one thing that I do think though, is I think find what it is. So maybe I'm not passionate about skincare. But what I am passionate about is what doing this business gives me the opportunities to create. Yeah. And that's exactly what I mean. It doesn't have to be about the vehicle. Right. Yes. As much as the destination. Yes. Find the vehicle, use it to get to your destination. We get so picky. Yeah. We get so picky. Yes. Love it. Yes. Stuff. So we ask these questions uh, as we wind this up uh, or wind it down, I should say. We ask these couple of these questions to everyone on the show. There are five people at a round table, plus yourself. You get to have any five people in the world that you want at the table. Okay. The only stipulation is that you can't have God at your table because that's too easy, and who wouldn't, <laughs> want, who wouldn't want to talk to him? Okay. Outside of that, dead okay. or alive, who do you want at your table? Okay, so the first two slots are super easy for me. The first slot is held by Elvis Presley. Okay. Okay. The second slot is held by the Queen of England. Oh, imagine that. I know, right? <laughs> And okay, and you said dead or alive. Dead or alive. Okay, so um, John Maxwell, good one, would yeah. have slot number three. And let's think, who would be? Well, obviously, my amazing husband. Shout out to Dan. Would yeah. have slot number four. He, he got all the way. He's the fourth pick. <laughs> <laughs> he's picked though. He's still picked. <laughs> he's at the table. And you just made the cut. <laughs> And probably for slot number five, it would be very difficult for me to choose, but in his previous life, he probably wore a Cowboys jersey. So I would have to decide which one on the roster that I would choose. Maybe it would be Emmett. Maybe it would be uh, Roger Sawback. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but he would have worn. Well, she said Elvis Presley. And no, there we go. Elvis we go. Presley. Elvis, we have <laughs> Elvis so and the Queen. We try to, we, uh, and the Queen, that's yep. true, huh? We try to take a little sip, you know, be responsible um, every time we have a new name. And this, oh. Uh, we've been doing this four years, over 170 yeah, episodes. So. so we did that because you didn't give us the normal name. People, normally it's, you know, Oprah. Or, Diddy. Or, or Diddy or Jay-Z. Or LeBron. Trump. Kobe. Or just like you're, but, you know, no, you're the first person to say Elvis, and obviously the first person to say the Queen. So kudos to you. There you go. <laughs> so, so Sheila, um, for all of our visionaries that are still tuning in, and by the way, if you're still watching uh, and you enjoyed the, this episode, make sure you like and subscribe. It and please share it with a friend. I think a lot of nuggets and of, of wisdom were dropped here on the show. 
Um, but can how do our visionaries get a hold of you through social media? Oh, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Sheila Kemke Green, which is my middle name, Kemke. K-I-M-K-I? K-E-M-P-K-E. Oh, Kemke. Yep, okay. and then it's green with the E on the end. And um, I think that's would be it, right? Yeah, so it's, it's, Instagram if it's and... Hub, no problem. Yeah, Instagram and I also have a website, Sheila Green with an E on the end at Arbonne.com. All right, perfect. That's your email. No, no, uh, SheilaGreen.Arbon.com is my website. Oh, got, got it. it. Yeah, got green it. with the E on the end. Love it, love yeah. it, love it. So um, thank you so much for being on the show. But before we conclude, I, I we ask this question to every single guest that jumps into the lab. Um, so in case you didn't know, we have a magical time machine, okay? Yeah. Um, we're going to rewind the clock five years from ago. So you're five years younger. What is today's version of yourself? What advice are they giving you from five years ago? So I'm talking to myself. Uh, to, my today version is talking to myself five years. I think the biggest thing, because no matter how prepared we are, no matter how big our vision is, we all still have moments where we feel small and where we're scared. And I think I would tell myself, don't live in those moments long, that long. Let those moments go faster and just move on. Cheers. Cheers yeah. to that. So that's pretty easy. That was a softball pitch. Now I'm going to make you, <laughs> forgive me, I'm going to make you just a little bit older. So you're five years wiser, okay? What, what advice would the older version of Sheila Green, what advice would you be giving yourself today? My future self Your future is self. giving my advice today. She's looking back at you now. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think that person is saying go bigger do more be more consistent and just step out and do all the things that you you participate in all the things that you tell other people to do you know and you've heard me say this on the show a bunch um the the beauty about this is that this is going to be on youtube forever and so forever and so for oh, so five i get years, to see myself five, five years, years from, from now, now you, you got a, a record of what All you're right. going to be held accountable okay. for. So go bigger. Yeah. Be more consistent. Yeah. What was the other one? And participate in Put, what people, and participate in the things you tell people to. Yep. There you go. There you go. Well, Sheila, listen. Thank you so much. It's been Thank you guys amazing. for having me. I really, absolutely. this is my very first time on a podcast, and these guys will tell you <laughs> I had a lot of questions about what a podcast was. So I told you it was going to be easy. <laughs> told you, you, you had your notes ready to go. And we took them from you. Like, no, Organ she organic. Got, she got back and said, Where are my notes? No, we're not doing it. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to jump out the airplane with no parachute. Thank you again for yeah. having us in your home. Thank you we so appreciate much. it. Thank you for your time. Yep. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ryan Mosley. He is Ryan Cuffey. Thank you again to our guest, Sheila Green. And uh, we will see you guys next week on another great episode of the Vision Lab Podcast. Blessings. <laughs>